tuning in to Microbiome Matters, a podcast for healthcare professionals and researchers brought to you by Yakult Science. This podcast aims to share latest research and insights from experts about the science behind our gut microbiome. Hi, I'm Nev. And I'm Britt. And we're the hosts of Microbiome Matters. Before we get started, we'd like to say thanks for tuning in, and we hope you're enjoying the podcast. If you're enjoying listening, we'd really appreciate if you could rate the Microbiome Matters podcast on your streaming app and share it with your friends and colleagues. This will really help us to reach more people. That's it from us. Back to the episode. Hi, I'm Nev. And I'm Brett. And welcome back to the Microbiome Matters podcast. Today we have with us Michael Bache, a classically trained chef with 20 years experience working in professional kitchens ranging from Michelin-starred hotels and fine dining restaurants to elite rugby clubs and international rugby camps. Mike has been at Bath Rugby for over 11 years and will be joining Bristol Bears as their executive performance chef starting pre-season 2022-23. Mike has also supported England Rugby as their performance chef to win the Six Nations 2020 and Autumn Nations Cup 2020. And today he'll be chatting to us about his role as a performance chef and how he supports athletes' nutrition and gut health. Thank you for joining us today, Mike. Thank you for having me on, ladies. So to start off, could you tell us about your role as a performance chef? Yeah, so my role at Bath is is quite a vast role. Uh, I have a lot of roles and responsibilities within the club, uh, but fundamentally uh, my main responsibility is uh, performance provision, uh, which has been uh, a, a big passion of mine. Is something that I feel is forever evolving and always changing, so it's a really exciting part of my role. Uh, so I basically look after the players. Uh, I provide up to three meals a day for them. I can provide uh, like a meal prep ready meal for them as well. Uh, And I also provide travel food as well. So when they travel away and get snacks and stuff like that. So yeah, uh, fundamentally it's very much a performance uh, chef role. Uh, It's something I've kind of grown into really because, you know, when I think back to 11 years ago, what it was and what it is now are two worlds apart. So it's a process which is really kind of evolving uh, and it's just an exciting topic to be able to be a part of. Great. So you've got like a culinary background as we mentioned in your bio, but what really got you into the specialized field of working with athletes as a performance chef? Yeah, so I've always been a rugby man. Uh, Some of the youngest memories I have are in a rugby club. So I've always loved the sport. And I suppose you could probably say a little bit of luck and opportunity. Uh, like I say, 11 years ago, the performance catering was effectively school dinners and, you know, which is exactly what it needed to be back then. But I think uh, as it kind of expanded, as the club expanded and opened up its training headquarters, I took a sous chef job uh, and then I kind of just uh, worked my way up from there, really given opportunity. So. A little bit of luck you could say right time right place uh but at the end of the day it was always an interest so because of the love of the game and i knew bath was a was a really mad city so i relocated from essex and i was working in some hotels and restaurants in the surrounding areas so when i heard that there was a job working in a professional rugby club it was something that definitely 
gave me some interest. It's good to hear about where your passion for your job comes from um, and really interesting field to be in. How do you work alongside performance nutritionists and the rest of the performance team to help support athletes' nutrition? Uh, So I am given framework to work with and it's... What I've found is there's a a strategy that I work with at the moment, which is uh, the experience I've had in rugby has been very similar, although you can call them something slightly different. The framework is exactly the same. So I would probably say a nutritionist would give me framework to work within. So what I can say there is I'm given uh, a high carb day and, you know, I'm given... uh, a low carb day and I'd be told that there needs to be uh, some lean proteins at certain times and you know so I'm given framework and then it's kind of my job to go away and fill in the gaps is probably the easiest way I'd summarize it so uh, you know a chef skill set is 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 procurement of fresh food and actually when you look at a classical trained skill set such as I have is it's you understand supply chain you understand uh seasons you know seasonality is, it can inf- influence prices but also the quality of what you produce so just for example if you try and buy asparagus in december you're going to struggle and there's definitely not any english asparagus but if you wait a few months and you wait for this time of year well then you can get some of the best asparagus around so i think understanding supply chain and seasonality uh sustainable sources of food i think not only you get in the best quality food so arguably at its best uh, nutritional value but you're also tapping into that skill set as well so the one thing i've really noticed is you need both skill sets to create a provision because vice versa as a chef my skill set is definitely not of a performance nutritionist and i think to create that elite performance provision you need both because you are working together effectively as a team to create uh, you, you're combining two skill sets to create a provision uh, a complete provision is what I would say. So yeah, I, I, there are definitely people that influence what I do. And they're also, I think, because science is always appearing and there's always studies and there's new studies coming out, I think they're also a great source of information for when something happens, uh, which can change what we do. So uh, they're very important. And it's something I really enjoy, actually. I've, I've, I've got some good examples of how you can really kind of work together with a performance nutritionist and a performance chef because vice versa, you could argue that a nutritionist skill set is not in procurement of fresh food uh, on a commercial scale. Uh, you could also argue that you know a chef skill set in refined cooking and the refined cooking techniques that you have as a chef, that you wouldn't cover that as a nutritionist too. So you kind of need both. So it's, it's quite, it's uh, like peas and carrots, they go together. <laughs> it's probably a, a good summary, I'd say, yeah. Yeah, it's good uh, Good to hear that analogy as well there. Um, I'm actually interested to hear about, you said you got some examples of working together. Do you, do you have any kind of practical examples of any specific meals you've worked on where performance nutritionists might have had a big role or changing something up and you've, you've had to bring your skills in as a performance chef? Oh, a good one, actually, which, uh, you know, I know there was... Uh you know dietary nitrate is a uh, has been a hot topic of recent years uh but you know things like rhubarb don't taste very nice you know especially when they're at a concentrated level and i think you know i've, I've created a, a rhubarb juice 
which actually tastes very nice. But again, I've used, you know, rhubarb is high in nitrates, so it's rocket and spinach and beetroot and stuff. But I've actually got a concentrated rhubarb juice, which is spiced up uh, with some very nice spices and it's sweetened with honey. And actually, you know, you can use your palate and the one thing you develop over the years is, is, is a palate. And you really understand flavor and how to build layers of flavor. So by creating a, a raw juice, which is infused with effectively a made rhubarb cordial, which you've sweetened and spiced and flavored, then that, that's an example of how a chef and a nutritionist can work together. Uh, I did actually get my rhubarb drink tested uh, for nitrate level. It was a little bit disappointing. It wasn't as high as I would have liked it to have been, but I think it was still something that I was able to get an awful lot of athletes to, to have because it tastes very nice. Yeah. Uh, but again, that the, the flavor combination that I used uh, was uh, based upon a rhubarb dessert that I did many years ago. So again, that's just an example of how you can bring a, a fresh food skill set with performance nutrition. Yeah, sounds great. And I bet the athletes really appreciate having your expertise on those flavor combinations. Um, yeah. Yeah, uh, so we, we're we wondering about when you're working with a team of rugby players, obviously you're working with a whole team, but we know that performance nutrition needs to be individualised. How do you support different nutritional needs of athletes within that team, as well as different dietary requirements they may have? Uh, so I'll just take the first part of that, because dietary requirements uh, I'll follow on from. Uh, so typically in team sport, because you're right, you're, you're trying to individualise many people and i'm sure it comes down to time and resource but you know the common in my experience of rugby in particular the common system is you have three strategies which you're you try and group your athletes together in uh leaners maintainers and gainers uh, or minimizers maintainers and maximizers uh same thing that calls something differently but uh i think ultimately that is where you're just categorizing athletes uh, and trying to group them together to follow a strategy. And, and that does work. I've seen it work very well. And you, a lot of it's down to mainly carb periodization and uh, maybe some, some calorie uh, controlled foods. Uh, but that doesn't work for everybody. So then I think if you've got your free strategies, leaners, maintainers and gainers, and then you need to look at something uh, a little bit more detailed if somebody's following a leaner strategy but they're not reducing meals on the the, the skin fold test and you know the head of snc requires them to, to to meet a target then then maybe you could look at reducing calories a bit more you could look at some other options there too but this is where you need the nutritionist skill set because as a chef yes i can produce macro calculated food and i'm very good at understanding where the calories sit with fresh food and i'm very good at creating a lower calorie plate of food which is going to fill somebody up and obviously fuel their performance but this is where a nutritionist needs to take over because that's not a chef skill set so and again that's another example of how a chef and uh, a nutritionist can work together to really kind of provide the clarity in food i think the one thing i can offer a nutritionist is that absolute clarity in what somebody's eating so if i provide you a portion of soaked oats i can tell you because i've got control at source because we're making this stuff i can give you absolute clarity in the macros that you require to deal with that tricky case. Because I think controlling food at source and working with fresh food, you, you've got that level of detail. So, and it doesn't work all the, it, it's not required all the time, but there has been some examples where you are working with a real tricky person that isn't meeting the targets that they need to make, uh, 
sorry, they're not making the targets that they need to, to meet. And this is where you can use the, the, the level of the depth of uh, clarity within the fresh food provision to really kind of drill into the fine detail there. So if anything, I, I'm just able to provide uh, a performance nutritionist everything he needs to work with the tricky people. And, and that goes the other way we gain is there's some lads that are swearing blind, they're doing this, they're doing that. You know, yes, we are following everything you say, but they're still not gaining size. And then again, I can provide on the other side of the spectrum things that are high in energy. So we can definitely help control that too. So, uh, and then when it comes to people with dietary requirements, nuts, I've, I've experienced a couple of nut allergies in my time. Uh, and yeah, some people that don't limit dairy, uh, sorry, they, they don't completely eliminate dairy, but they do limit it. And gluten as well has been a couple of common ones. So you do have your main kind of 14 common allergens that you need to kind of contend with. But that also comes down to having control of the food that you're making. If you make things from scratch and you're making things from fresh food, you can really have that level of control. So actually, if somebody does need to limit dairy or eliminate gluten, then it's very easy to do that. So, and again, when you actually look at modern cooking and professional cookery, gluten is a thing of the past. Uh, the days of everything being thickened with flour, actually there's more modern ways of cooking. So again, you can eliminate that just through using modern techniques. Great. It's really insightful to hear how you use your expertise as a chef, but also this knowledge on nutrition that you have to create meals that are not only flavorful, but also you know, meet these nutritional needs and dietary requirements. It's very, it's a very exciting time because it's always changing. Like what I'm discussing now, three or four years ago, I wasn't doing that. And I think that's what's so exciting uh, for me as a professional. And the opportunity that I've got at Bristol Bears is, 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 is again, uh, a chance for me to really push on and answer those questions because, you know, working with, uh, uh, James Moorhen, you know, and, and knowing how he works, he's really going to just make me a better professional. Not only is he going to help educate my performance nutrition knowledge and give me experiences, but also vice versa. I can give him a very, very in-depth level of clarity in what athletes, and I've got a lot of, uh, you know, uh, I'm very accountable for what we're providing, and that's just for using a fresh food and controlled skill set. So, yeah, it's very exciting for me. And I, I, I'm sure in three or four years, I'll be doing something completely different. Uh, but that's just how things change as we go forward. Yeah, exciting. So at Microbiome Matters, we're always very interested in learning about gut health. And so we were just wondering, how do you manage meals for athletes who might experience gut symptoms? Uh, I haven't, yeah. So again, I touched on it. Uh, there's a couple of guys I've worked with that limit dairy. I mean, there's nothing hard and fast that I'm aware of. And I know this is very much led by the doctor. Uh, but they would limit dairy. So that's a quite an easy one for me. I just go to plant-based milks and I can provide them oat milk, nut milks, and they're not, they're not completely eliminating dairy, but when an athlete's having two or three shakes a day and each shake contains two to 300 mil of dairy milk, that's actually quite a lot of milk, especially when you add it up. And if that's having some kind of negative response to the gut, then it's a quite an easy one uh, to, to, to eliminate that. Uh, but no, apart from that, I haven't really got gluten. There's a couple of people that feel bloated from gluten. But again, as I said, you know, it's very easy to sidestep, especially when you when you cook in a modern way. Do any of your um, athletes find that around game days um, or specific training periods, they experience any gut symptoms or or would you say it's um, you haven't come across those? 
Casey? Uh, yeah, there's a common rule that we kind of follow, and that is to, especially intense training, so we'd keep proteins light and lean, you know, and again, when it comes to game day as well, so the pre-match meals and stuff, we will be sticking to lean proteins, uh, chicken, salmon, etc. cetera, uh, quite low fat, uh, and we would not necessarily uh, fill them with things high in fiber, so the, the fibrous vegetables and stuff that can take a bit of time to digest, we would, you know, stick to your 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 high glycemic carbs and uh, it, yeah, and keep things quite simple and not too spicy, easy on the chili. You know, so that's kind of just a general rule that I follow. Yeah, when I'm working with intense training days, uh, yeah, to keep it light and lean. Really. Yeah, yeah, that's great. You mentioned game days there, um, so we'd be really interested to hear about game day nutrition. Um, so what what would a typical game day look like um food wise and and how would you provide for the app yeah so we, we keep the proteins lean as i said uh and light but the focus is on the carbohydrates there so you know we, we really start loading the guys match day minus one uh and there's obviously a, a big uptake in nitrates there as well so especially on the game day i actually make some nitrate shots uh which they will take four four hours before competition uh, and then they've obviously got the top-ups as well in the change room of the beat it shots, which are quite common. They travel as well. So, yeah, so that's kind of the focus there is very much on the fast carbs and nitrates. Well, that's really interesting to hear. Again, back to gut health and uh, that sort of thing. Do you tend to include fermented foods or other sources of dietary microbes in athletes' diets? And if so, how do you tend to incorporate these into their meals? I, I use them a lot, actually. Uh, things like kimchi, what an ingredient that is, yeah. you know. So, and again, we make it, uh, but it actually lasts a very long time, you know, especially when you keep it in the fridge. It, it becomes a very slow fermenting process. Uh, but actually, you could have it in the fridge for a good few weeks and there's no problem there. So I make kimchi regularly. I use it for hot dishes, cold dishes, salads, you, you name it, it's there. Uh I think balance and variety, I know that's a, that's a bit of a, a trigger word that's chucked around a lot, but you know, again, if you follow the season, the food, your produce changes by default. So you know, you're always keeping things changing there. I'm a big fan of things like beans and pulses as well. Uh, I'm a big fan of, uh, do you know what I actually really quite enjoy, which uh, is, is uh, allegedly very good, is uh, the old globe artichokes and things like that. But when you look at, a class uh, globe artichokes are generally forgotten uh, when you look at uh, things that are high in fiber, but they're actually really tasty. And you know, when they're in season at the right time, then poached in a little bit of chicken stock and then pickled, you know, it's actually really tasty. And again, I'm a big fan of things like pickled onions, and and we we do a lot of preserving as well at Farley House. And so, but the kimchi is the standout one for me because I use it an awful lot. It's a, such a versatile ingredient that we use. Yeah, and I suppose from a flavor perspective, as you store it for longer, the flavor also changes with the fermentation. So yeah, exactly that. And, you know, one of the things about being a chef working with food is, is building a layer of flavor. And you don't need loads of dairy, loads of cream and butter to create flavor, actually. But, you know, if, if you when you cook a sauce, for example, and the one thing that I, I commonly hear is athletes need more fiber in their diets but actually fresh food if you make a sauce or make it let's take a chicken soup for example because that's a really good example you've got several layers of vegetables and you refer to that as a mirepoix 
uh, and effectively that just means a, a select uh, group of vegetables which are roughly cut and they are the base of just about everything I can think of when it comes to soups and sauces and I think when you've got your onions and your garlic and your carrots and uh, your, your fresh herbs, celery, leeks, and you're cooking those off, you know, maybe it's a little bit of bacon in there just to give it a little bit of flavor, but you cook that quite gently. And, and, and then you add some chicken stock again, you know, that's quite heavily concentrated and some roasted chicken carcasses. You can build up a layer of flavor, but you've got a base there, but then you add some more vegetables to the soup to then create uh, to create something that's full of flavor the chicken soup i've been using for years and it's a way but you can really create a layer of flavor there but actually when you look at how much veg has gone into that there's two stages and then you could put some small diced vegetables in there just to give it a little bit of texture to call it a vegetable soup there's three opportunities so what you end up with is a with a soup which is very heavily concentrated in vegetable although it's the same vegetables there's three layers of them it's very heavily concentrated in stock so when we talk about collagen that's a great way of getting natural collagen in, into these athletes and then it tastes good as well and it's a win-win because everybody's eating it so you guys who are gluten free can have your chicken soup because you're not thickening it like they used to back in the 50s with flour so you know it's that's just an example of, of modern cooking uh and combining fresh food and performance and I've, that's probably the easiest way i could summarize it but uh, yeah, it, it's it's definitely a great way of getting additional fiber into the diet. It's just by cooking with fresh food. You're making us hungry. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, girls. <laughs> yeah, it's a really, I find that we're learning a lot today from you, actually. It's that um, different perspective on food and nutrition and great that, you know, it can be enjoyable food as well. Um, so it's not just that purpose of fueling performance, but those athletes can actually enjoy what you're cooking um you've mentioned flavor and how you can build that within the um, what you're making for the athletes are there any other ways other than um with sauces and that great example of the chicken soup that you um really promote flavor within the food that you're cooking for the athlete yes spices you know the the unsung heroes you know this is about i think every continent's got so many spices that i've never even heard of but actually they can bring so much depth and flavor the sweetness a little bit of sour you know seasoning salt and pepper but there's also citric acid as well and a little squeeze of lemon can go a long way in a soup or a sauce so but you know tasting your food is an, an understanding flavor and the only way you, you do that is by cooking and eating <laughs> there's no yeah. there's no two ways about it but tasting your food and and you know you you kind of build a palate and it does take a long time and you know it does take a long time to to build a professional palate but i think spices fresh herbs and, and vegetables and understanding uh starch you know so uh a lot of people just pour liters of double cream into a soup and call it a cream of cream of leek soup. But using a high powered liquidizer, potato starch and stock, you can create a very, uh, it's almost, it's almost like velvet. Uh, and again, that's modern cooking techniques and using power tools uh, to create something which actually is just stock and starch. So nutritionally is nowhere near the calories that, you know, your, your two or three liters of double cream have, have, have got. So, uh, yeah, I think it's just 
yeah, that's probably that's probably summarises that I would say. Yeah, it's great yeah. to hear. Also, the dietary diversity. Um, that's something that's music to our ears with herbs and spices um, as an addition to meals because that's going to be fuel for your gut microbes too. So, um, yeah, yeah, that's always good. I was just going to gonna say that, Britt. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, we're actually at the end of the podcast right now. And we've got one final question for you. This is something we ask all of our guest speakers on our podcast. And that is, what is one thing you do to look after your gut? It's got to be the kimchi. <laughs> no, uh, I, yeah, look, I, 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 I try to just keep variety and balance there. I think that's probably everybody says that. But, you know, there's nothing that I would serve an athlete that I haven't eaten myself. And that's kind of a golden rule there. So I'm feeding these guys. You know, I, I consequently eat the same as what these guys do. So I, I think the variety and balance that I provide athletes I work with is, is consequently looking after their guts as well, just through variety. Uh, and consequently, it's, it's, it's looking after me as well. Part and parcel of a chef is definitely tasting what you produce. Mm-hmm. You do love your kimchi, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm a big fan of it, yes, I am. Do you tend to have like different types of kimchi as well? Because obviously there's a lot of variety. Yeah, of course, and every country's got their own version of uh, something similar. So uh, yeah, I, I'm quite. I, I make like a like a hot pepper. Uh, I say hot pepper. I make like a pepper rub, uh, and I just basically char down some peppers, uh, and some chilies, and grind it down with some garlic and some paprika and stuff. So it's kind of a set recipe there. It's, it's not too spicy, but it's quite similar in color. It's quite orange. It's quite bright. There's some radishes in there. I use some Chinese leek and some carrots and stuff. And then I just, yeah, I just, I just let the fermenting process take its course and then keep it in the fridge after a couple of days. So yeah, it's quite a standardized recipe, uh, but yeah, you're right. There's lots of variations. There's lots of different ways of making it. We'll have to look up the recipe. It sounds delicious. Thanks very much for joining us today, Mike. It's been great to hear from you and hear about all of your experience, particularly in the performance environment. Thank you, ladies. Always a pleasure. Hello there, it's me Nev again. This is actually my last podcast episode with Microbiomatters, so I just wanted to say a quick thank you to your listeners who have tuned into our podcast. It's been really insightful to hear from our guest speakers who have shared their valuable insights and it's been great to see this new platform of ours grow and reach new audiences in the past few months. But that's it from me and I hope you enjoy the future episodes where you'll meet a new co-host, listen from more expert guests and delve deeper into the continuously evolving research around gut health and the gut microbiome. Thanks for tuning in. For more information and to sign up for future episodes of our Microbiome Matters podcast, go to yakult.co.uk forward slash HCP.